All righty. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Modcast. I'm your host, Chris Perry, with your co-host, Tyler Betson. Tyler, what kind of animal do you feel like today? Chris, I got a good one for you today, bro. Let's hear this it. is a bird, all right? Okay. And it's called a shoebill. Okay. So it looks like some kind of like demonic thing from Jurassic Park. Like these things look like they would straight up come from hell. How do you spell that? S-O-H-O-E-B-I-L-L. These things are huge, too. They're 55 inches tall and have a wingspan of 8 feet long. Now, once you see this thing's face, you're going to be like, what in the world is that? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I did not know these existed, and I was okay with not knowing. But now that I do know that something like this is on this earth, I really feel like apocalypse could happen. I don't want these to exist. Yeah. Yeah, it's imagine you like are going outside for a stroll and one of these is flying around you. I'm going back inside. No, I mean, I immediately would shoot myself. I wouldn't even try to kill it. I wouldn't, I I just don't want to give the satisfaction of taking my life. They call this thing the true king of darkness. Jesus Christ. Look, it just—it looks like a, a mixture of something from like Jurassic Park and a demon. Yeah, no, this is the spawn of Satan. Yes. So this is what I feel like today. <laughs> I, um, so Tyler feels dangerous today. Apparently, I, I feel like a wallaby. Explain. It's a small to middle-sized kangaroo. I've seen these before. They have these at petting zoos sometimes. Yeah. I think they're pretty cool. They're really kind of looks. Yeah, like this is definitely just like a miniature. Just a miniature. Yeah, what are kangaroos classified as? I forget what they're. I believe they're classified as a a a a macropod. No, that sounds familiar. Mm, It's got to be a macropod. It's family marsupials. Yep, it's a ma- yep macropod. Yep. So I looked at the difference between these and a kangaroo is just the size. That's it. Yeah, just like little tiny ones. And a kangaroo mate with a wallaby. Huh. Dwarf wallaby. Oh my god, there's an even smaller one. Oh, if you mate a wallaby and a kangaroo, it's called a wallaroo. <laughs> that's awesome. This question, can you eat wallaby? <laughs> oh my God, I want one. How much does a wallaby Oh, no, shoot, you can eat this, and apparently it's very lean and delicious. You can actually buy them. They start around $1,000. This you... reminds me of the uh, the girl I, I coached that asked me to put rabbit in her diet. That's very specific. Yeah. Very specific. Remember I told her no. Yeah, that's... <laughs> where, where is she sourcing... Rabbits at such a large. No, apparently, rabbits really lean meat, but I mean, I just don't want her like posting or eating rabbit, and then you know, fourteen other people being like, "Why don't I get rabbit?" And I'll be like, "Oh, you got to kill it yourself." Well, Pete, Peta would shit its pants. Yeah, you know, that's like you know what's the, they eat horse meat over in Europe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, living in Kentucky, like if they had horse meat on a menu, people would like flip their shit. They lose their minds. Granted, oh, the, yeah. the horse they eat over there is like bred specifically for that as livestock. The same idea of like 
a cow. In Asian countries, when they eat dogs, it's a specific breed of dogs. It's not just like a, they're eating like poodles off the street, you know. But no, same. I mean, you're right. If if that yeah. was in any restaurant, there would be an uproar. Remember who was the bodybuilder? Uh, James Hollingshead. Uh, he was the one that I was watching his YouTube videos, and he was like at a grocery store, and he was like, "Got some horse meat." And I was <laughs> like, "Oh yeah." So you know, horse meat's pretty lean too. So maybe that's the secret, dude. I used to have this kid I worked with back at the, the smoothie shop. He worked there probably for like eight months or so with me. He was an interesting dude. He was he was super nice, but like he was doing wild stuff. Like I remember he started this business where he would like find like wild animals and cook it for people in a dish and then serve it to you. Okay. So the one he served was like one week he had shark and the next week he had like alligator and then he was like trying to source like other animals. I think he had like rabbit one week and then like like squids and I was just like and it, it just kept getting like weirder animals and I was like how are you even finding these he's like I found this guy that can source them out down down in Florida and he's sending me some up and I'm like in reality it's all just, it's all just pork you know <laughs> just, that'd be, that'd be plot he's, twist he's like gotcha yeah, just <laughs> out the ass for just pork tenderloin claiming it's like shark or something yeah I, I mean I remember I paid him for the alligator because I really do like alligator meat bro. Yeah. I think it's really good it's very lean actually has the most protein per ounce of any meat i'm pretty sure i think it's like 11 or 12 grams of protein per ounce wow you gotta cook it right but he cooked like some blackened gator mm. and had it served with like some rice and some like uh peppers and stuff pretty good that's how you get jacked to see yeah well tyler what are we talking about today man Today, we're going to talk about the top five mistakes that are preventing people from getting progress. Ooh, that's fun. So this, yes. this, this episode, if you're listening to it, let's put on our self-awareness caps and make note and see if any of these five could be a roadblock for us, because this is important. And I found people sometimes don't realize that they're doing this, and it's preventing them from, you know, being their best possible self. Mm -hmm. So, what do we? Let's go and start off with number five. Okay, we're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. Um, I think one that a lot of people—I'd say a lot of people—that's maybe not be the truth of the matter, but one that I see a large issue of is lack of effort in training and in cardio. And what I mean by that, um, I've met a, a handful of people along the way, some who have tried to be competitors. I say try is the key word, um, who claim that they don't sweat during workouts or cardio, that like their body's not capable of it. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it's because you're not trying, because I've seen those people train and it's because they don't try. Um, but a lot of times you'll see it, man, like a lot of people will sit there and sit on their phone for t t five, 10, 15 minutes between sets, or sit there and talk to their buddy for 20, 30 minutes, and all this other stuff. And it's like the same with cardio, they're leaning on the Stairmaster, but that's a huge one, right, that we've talked about previously. But I think it's lack of effort in the gym. Like, I know people who are like, well, dude, I'm in the gym three hours a day or whatever. I'm like, but you're only working out for 30 minutes of those three hours because yep. you're recording TikToks and you're talking to your friends and you're doing Ziz poses in the corner. And, like, you're not actually putting forth effort. Like, I would say the most people that I know who are, like, great competitors or have a great physique are in and out of the gym in like 45 minutes to an hour and a half because they absolutely obliterate themselves for that time. 
So it's not a game of how long you're in there. It's a game of how much actual effort can you apply in us an amount of time. Same with cardio too, or like the effort of cardio applied. Like you and I both include very specific intensity requirements for our cardio, but I've seen people who are like, well, I did 30 minutes of cardio today, but they're doing level one on the Stairmaster. They're not even yeah. in sweat. They're not short of breath. They're not expending any amount of effort to force adaptation and force a change. Or if you have a step goal, I know people who, if you say 10,000 steps, they might only do 99,000 or 9,500. And you're like, well, that's just marginal. But if you look over the span of a week and a span of a month, that's tens of thousands of steps that you've just left on the table. Right. So I think lack of effort is one of the biggest things. Yeah. Lack of effort. I see it all the time, man. Like I, you know, I work out, of course, in my own garage now. So that's actually helped me a lot because I, I know I can get my workout in in about an hour and 15 minutes or less and I don't have any distractions. Mm-hmm. But what I see when I go to a lot of these local gyms still is like, you know, I went to LAC probably about two weeks ago on a Saturday and I saw so many people sitting on the bench on their phone and you know they're doing stuff like sitting on scrolling on instagram or tiktok i've seen people before playing candy crush Mm -hmm. they're spending 10 minutes trying to pick a song to do one set Mm -hmm. and it's like you know a lot of this stuff is taken away from the effort you know they might have got their heart rate up to you know 130 to 140 and they're in a good zone and then they spent 10 minutes resting which got their heart rate back to like 90 and there's really no consistent effort yeah. I think one thing too, we always, I get asked often, like what, how much time should I spend resting in between a set? And I say as little as necessary, like yeah. move as quickly as you can within reason, of course, like, you know, 45 seconds to a minute should be more than enough as far as I'm concerned in, in a majority of cases, but you'll get people who are like, like I said, who will rest for five, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes in between a set and not even yeah. realize it half the time. Right. Because we, I mean, listen, I'm guilty of it too. Like I've got horrible attention deficit issues and I'll, if I make the mistake of clicking on Instagram while I'm in the gym, it could be five, 10 minutes in between a set, excuse me, before I realize it. So that's why I put my phone on do not disturb. And like, that's what I've had. I put, put my playlist on. I, I cycle through on my lock screen. I won't even unlock my phone anymore. I'll just cycle through my playlist on my lock screen and find the song and then I'll do my set. Because yep. the second I, I fall into that trap, I can't get out of it. Or if I'm talking to people, you know, I, I, I will say like, especially during prep, I try, I, I hate to say it this way, but I try to make myself as unapproachable as I can because I know it, during a workout, I'm more susceptible to just going on a rabbit hole conversation with God knows who that's in the gym that day. And then I've wasted 45 minutes of that workout. Right. When, when energy is already at its lowest. Well, that's the thing, man, is I see a lot of people and they don't know how to step away from their phone. And I, I'm pretty adamant on, you know, put do not disturb on or put your phone in airplane mode and make sure that you can't receive calls or text messages while you're training. Um, set up your playlist and get it set up so that you don't have to sit there and change the music and eliminate the distractions. That's the key. And one of the most most th- one of the things i see people doing that's affecting the results the most is they will go to the gym and use it as social time mm-hmm. rather than time to work i remember i had a guy and you know he was not getting results every week but i was still going to the gym at this time and i would see him and you know he would do one set of curls and then 20 minutes of talking 
Mm-hmm. And then one set of curls and 20 minutes of talking. So, of course, he's at the gym, like you said, for three hours. But, you know, probably about two hours and 40 minutes of that time is him just talking. Mm-hmm. So he's never breaking a sweat. He's sitting there, you know, working his jaws, but that's about it. And then he's wondering why he's not gaining any muscle or losing any fat. Yeah. That's why with, with my training partners and I, because um, I usually train with at least one training partner, we'll get to the gym and the first 15 minutes we're there, we're just like getting our pre-workout made. We're shooting the shit, catching up. And then the second we start is the second we stop talking. And then we'll talk afterwards. But like during the training session, we talk very minimally because again, it's like you, once you get in your groove and you find your pace in a workout, that should be the most important thing that you maintain. Because the sooner you get done, the sooner you can sit there and shoot the shit for 20 or 30 minutes. It doesn't matter. But it's like once you get into that heart rate zone, you want to hold that and hold that pump and everything else for as long as you possibly can. So it's like once I get sidetracked, once, dude, it's game over. I mean, that's the end for me. And all, all my training partners know that. So it's like I have to stay on top of being as focused as I can and just moving. There's a time and a place to talk for sure. But it's like before and after the workout. Don't do it during. Yeah. That's that's the key is, you know, make sure you're going in there to train or do your cardio or put the effort in. Don't let yourself get distracted. Make sure that you're setting uh, limitations on your phone use. So do not disturb uh, being in airplane modes. Good. Um, and then with cardio, like we said, make sure you're pushing yourself. If you're doing, you know, a one speed and a two incline, you might as well just stay. home. Yeah, you should you should dread your, your cardio. Truthfully, that's when it's working. Um so I think that really kind of covers the first, first of the five. Uh, next one is kind of breaking down condiments and gum and sugar-free stuff and all that because a lot of times, and this becomes a, a game of, a lot of this becomes a game of these just very marginal things will add up over time if you're not aware of them. So if you aren't measuring your condiments out, that's one place that I always look to when progress starts to stall because if you're using... I don't know, let's say you're using a condiment that has three grams of carbs a serving. So it's about 12, 15 calories, and you're using three servings without realizing it on every meal throughout the day. You're looking at 12 servings potentially of this. You're looking at 50, you know, you're looking at numerous grams of carbs. You're looking at 50, 60 calories a day and just condiments because you're being neg- you're, you're neglecting just measuring them or understanding what a a true measurement looks like over the span of a week, over the span of a month, you're looking at hundreds of calories that are being wasted because you're going overkill with whatever it may be. Right. So I think that's important. Or even going as far as like, like I've told the story before, but I had the client who was working with me and was seeing progress, seeing progress. And then he didn't. And he came at me and said it was the plan. And we sat down, we talked about everything. It was because he was using like four to five tablespoons of ranch dressing on every meal, right? You've got to look at the nutrition facts of all these things. If you're planning on throwing in a sauce, make sure you look at the label because a lot of these will, they may seem like they're, you know, healthy. Like even like Bolthouse Farms Ranch, you know, it's still two and a half grams of fat and like four grams of carbs per serving. So, you know, if you overuse that, and of course, you're adding, you know, 40 calories per time you use it. Yeah, it's like at least in, in granted, like in a show prep situation, you have to weigh out everything. But let's say you're you, that's a little too much for you. Measure it out one time so you have a visual representation of what servings a serving size looks like and at least try to stick to that. 
I think that's like a fair negotiation for like a general nutrition client. Like at least know what a serving size looks like and try to base that off of it. But I would still advise measuring everything out because it's easier to stay, have more quantifiable data to look to. If you're if you're not seeing progress, you can go, okay, maybe this is the problem X, right? Um, and the same with like gum, right? People don't realize like, and we've talked about it before, Anything that tastes like anything is going to have some amount of a caloric value, even if it says it's zero calories. And anything is fine in moderation. But if you're chewing a whole pack of gum a day, one, I don't know how your digestion isn't completely obliterated. But two, you are ingesting some amount of calories. And in that case, you're also ingesting some amount of calories that don't really provide much benefit. Like the little bit of calories you get from sugar alcohol isn't providing much positive benefit internally, in my opinion. So um, I would say if you're chewing a pack of gum a day, cut down on that and see what happens or cut it out entirely and see what happens. That reminds me of the girl I had in prep one time and she was doing a bikini competition and I found out she was bloated all the time. Mm -hmm. So I found out that she was chewing an entire pack of icebreakers gum every day. So much. And I was like, I told her how much calories that was. And, you know, of course, she cuts it out. Her stomach starts coming in. She starts losing weight. And it's just something she didn't think about. She was just abusing the shit out of gum. Yeah. And I was like, if first of all, I'm going to be honest here. If you want to do a, like a, a prep, you need to be fully aware that you're probably going to have to drop the sauces and drop the gum and mints completely. Yep. If you want to really come in, you know. Some people can get by with like one or two pieces of gum a day or a little bit of sauce, but for majority of people, if you're wondering why you lost and you're sitting there abusing gum, it, it could play a part. Yeah. Another thing too that a lot of people don't think about, look at what cooking spray you use. If you're using vegetable oil or canola oil-based sprays, throw those away right now and go buy olive oil-based sprays. It will save your digestion tremendously. Because I've had the same issue. I had a bikini girl in 2019. Horrible lower abdominal distension, could not figure it out for the life of me. And then one day it clicked. I was like, what are you using for your nonstick spray? And she was using straight canola oil. We pulled that out. She dropped four pounds in a week and lost almost all of her lower abdominal distension from that. So another thing to consider. Um, but again, it comes down to a lot of this is moderation, right? If you were abusing and relying on these things to try to get through, it's going to, you know, negate progress in certain regards like the same with like sugar-free jello it's okay to have one a day but if you're having six or seven a day it's going to add up there's a couple grams of carbs in that no matter what like calorically there is a caloric value and you're eating it right and obviously that many artificial sweeteners is also going to affect digestion as well um that kind of segues into number three which is coffee um i am a profound starbucks addict i drink coffee every day um, and one thing that people don't realize is how many calories are, can be in these drinks, right? I had a girl in the past that I was working with and she was discouraged that she wasn't seeing results and she couldn't understand why. And she put in her, uh, check-in form, I asked if there was any adherence or lack of adherence to the diet. And if so, what was it? And she said that she was having like a macchiato every day and, <laughs> Granted, I send her, I send out in my introductory packet, it has a list of coffee orders that are totally fine to use and taste great. Um, and obviously that wasn't on there. And I looked up the nutrition facts of exactly her order and it was like 460 calories a drink. And she's having one a day. And I'm like, you're having 3000 calories weekly of coffee. 
you know, and that's why you're not seeing results. You know, I remember I had a similar thing with a, a girl that started prep in the past and, you know, she was adding um, skim milk to her stuff and then like a, a tablespoon of like a fat free coffee creamer, sugar free coffee creamer. And I had to point out to her, I'm like, okay, you're adding, you know, two ounces of milk and you're adding like two grams of fat from this coffee creamer. So you're adding like 60 calories every time you drink coffee and you're doing this twice a day. That's a lot. Yeah. You're adding 120 calories every day to your diet, which is already, you know, around like 1600 calories. Well, you're wondering why you're not losing weight sufficiently. It's normally because of simple stuff like that. Like, Coffee, even I, this is probably going to piss a lot of people off, but even when you're adding the sugar free syrup from Starbucks, if you are getting one pump of that, each pump still has one gram of carbs. It says sugar free. That doesn't mean carbohydrate free. Yeah. So for you all that are getting five or six pumps of sugar free syrup, you're still adding around 30 calories. Yep. Yeah. It's, I will say that the one way to kind of pull the band aid off is get used to black coffee. And you'll be fine because that's what I segue out to. Like I'll start with like my sugar-free vanilla and Splenda or Stevia. And by the end of prep, I'm just doing straight black coffee. And a lot of times I'm just going and either I'm just making it myself or I'm buying it from the store because we've talked about it before, you know, you're still relying on the Starbucks employee putting the right thing in there. Right. And there's always room for human error. So. I'm going to point this out to people because this is going to make a lot of people aware. Say you go get your coffee at Starbucks and you get a venti black coffee, but you decide to add four Splenda and four pumps of sugar-free vanilla. Mm -hmm. All right. So each packet of Splenda still has 3.36 calories per gram. So a gram of Splenda, which you're probably getting about four grams there, so four times about three, you're getting, what, 12 calories from that, and then you're getting about 16 or so from uh, the syrup. So you're still having a 30-calorie coffee Yep. every time, which can add up. It certainly does, especially if you're doing, you know, you know, fasted cardio while you're drinking your coffee. You're no longer fasted. Yeah. Do people drink coffee while they do fasted cardio? I've seen quite a few, man. I, I mean, that's the thing, like I've done it myself, but I also drink, you know, black coffee. Yeah. I try to finish it before if I can or wait till afterwards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've always found the best way to do your cardio is wait till after you finish your cardio and then drink your coffee. That's what I always do because I yeah. would go, like, granted, like, I was obviously still with the caloric thing, but, like, I the Planet Fitness I'd go to to do my cardio, there's a Starbucks on the way home. So I would just order it on the app on the way home. That's when I would drink my coffee on the way back. Um, so... But yeah, people, again, people don't realize a lot of these things. Well, hell, dude, even with like right now, Tyler's drinking a ghost energy drink. Like those have what, three grams of carbs in them, I think. This one that I have right here has one gram per can. So it's still, you know, it's still five calories. Yeah, roughly five. Isn't going to make or break you. I mean, as long as I wouldn't, you know, for the caffeine purposes, I wouldn't be drinking like two or three of these a day. But, you know, yeah. but I know people who do. That's the thing, man. I know people who drink three or four energy drinks a day. I used to be that person when I waited at tables. And like also it just wrecks your digestion. If you if I have more than one, dude, I'm done. Like my guts ruined all day. Um, I think 
my biggest thing is like when you know overdoing anything is going to be an issue and then what i found with uh with energy drinks and coffee is people will try to cut corners with them because i think they think like oh it's okay because it's doesn't have calories but in reality it does especially um like there was the what was it the macro barista was a big account going around for a while on instagram Mm -hmm. and i had a girl in prep that thought that because it was macro barista and it was healthy or less calories it just means she could do it in prep and it was fine and i was like no girl you can't have a you know a a frappuccino in prep because they made it you know 200 calories instead of 500 like it's still at 200 calories what what we can learn is when you're in prep, when it comes to the enjoyment of food and beverage, you just need to learn that's not going to be a thing. If you enjoy it like that much and it feels that good, you probably shouldn't have it at the end of the day. Like the most peeled I've been and the is when, when I felt the worst and I dreaded all things in life. And the most enjoyable thing in my day was my black coffee and the yellow mustard put on my meals. And other than that, it was pretty bland, right? Um, I forget who said it. It was an NBA player. He literally said for his diet, he was like, if it tastes good, I don't eat it. And that's how I get in shape. And that's like, there's some truth to that for a reason. Um, but even talking about overdoing it, our next one on there is too big of free meals. And and I think a lot of people are guilty of this because this is one thing. Like I don't call free meals, I don't call them cheap meals because I don't like the connotation of it. And I think it can and in a lot of ways glorify that meal, which can create an unhealthy relationship with food. But I think a lot of times because we have this one meal during the week where we can eat what we want, we think it has to be just astronomically over the top. And people don't realize like it is a free meal, but calorically those calories still matter. So if you're only eating 2000 calories a day on your meal plan and your free meal is 7000 calories, you're going to do a lot of damage, right? And that's yeah. what's going to hinder progress. I was actually talking to a client this morning and uh, he was asking me like what I did for my free meals. And honestly, for my free meal, most of the time, it's like, you know, I might do something like Chick-fil-A and I might do 20 nuggets and a large fry. Uh, or I might do a, a filet with sweet potato fries. Yeah. But, you know, what I'll see is people are doing something like a whole entire pizza to themselves. Or we were talking about desserts earlier and he was like, what do you do for dessert? And I was like, well, hardly ever do I have like a big dessert. If I do, it's, you know, a small ice cream or I might have like one crumble cookie. Yeah. And he was like, oh, that's where I'm messing up. And, you know, some people are having, you know, four to six crumble cookies at a time. And they were wondering like, oh, you're doing, you know, your entire calories for two days and one meal. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering why you don't get results. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, like I got to do. When it was free most, he did like 30 wings in a McFlurry. I'm like, it's 5,000 calories, bro. Like very, like, but again, like we talked about this previously, like the free meal I did yesterday was like, just because it sounded good was a chicken wrap and like a salad. Cause that's just what I wanted to eat. Like a free meal doesn't have to be this gorge fest. And granted, I'm, I'm victim of that. Like, I'm not going to act like I'm a patron Satanist. Like I've had that issue before yeah. where I've just like balled out right? Just like eat until I'm sick. But again, like I ate that meal and I felt good and I was happy and I moved on. Right. And I feel better today. Like my digestion's not affected. I don't feel bloated. I don't feel gross from it. And I ate what I wanted to. So I'm satisfied versus like going and doing like I've, I've had clients, like I had one client, I love him to death. 
we were seeing progress and things kind of stalled during this dieting phase. And I asked him about his free meal and he was going to Arby's and getting like four sandwiches and mozzarella sticks and fries. And, and I was like, dude, that's just like, that's so much food, but it's also like kind of gross food. You know what I mean? I love Arby's, but like, that's kind of yicky, right? Like, it's like, at least pick something that digests well, you know what I mean? But like for me, I either do sushi. I usually stick to sushi. I just don't get stuff that's fried or has cream cheese in it. And then, or I'll do Chick-fil-A or like, those are usually my two go-tos or I'll cook something at home. And it's usually like steak and sweet potato fries or like a burger and fries, but it's, it's something I've made. Right. So I also know how it's being prepared properly because I also have like pretty sensitive digestion. I can't just like go eat at like chilies or something like that. Like it'll destroy me. I'll feel like death. So those yeah, are the parameters that I set, right? That's what I tell my athletes too. I'm like, find the things that digest well, but also like, don't think this is an eating challenge. Like, just enjoy yourself when you're full. Walk out. Yeah, that's the thing is like, you don't have to completely finish all these meals. I think of like a free meal as a more of a time to, you know, eat something off plan and enjoy a social experience or just, you know, eat something without worrying about, um, counting calories or macros or anything of the sort it's like a break and you know for example mine this past weekend we went to a place called vincenzo's in louisville which is actually it's the place where jack harlow raps about in the what's popping song he's like at eating fettuccine at vincenzo's yeah. yeah but i got like a a bow tie pasta with like veal and filet tips and i had that and then i had a small piece of cheesecake that i shared with laura Mm -hmm. And that was my free meal. And that's it. You know, like I didn't have a whole dessert to myself. I shared it. I, there's no reason I needed to have a big piece of cake to myself, honestly. Yeah. And then, you know, I ate my pasta meal, which was a decent sized pasta dish. And it had, you know, veal and filet in it, which are leaner meats. Mm -hmm. And it digested well with me. I enjoyed it. And, you know, that was fine. But what I see the issue with with a lot of people is they're having, you know, something that's just ridiculous. Like, you don't need to go have two Wendy's Baconators, uh, two large fries, and then have a pint, and bit of, pint of Bennett Jerry's afterwards. Yeah. You're just abusing the situation, and you're acting like you're never going to get a meal again that's not on your plan. And the thing is, what a lot of people don't realize is, like, those same people who do that, if you picked a more... Like if you cut that in half or if you did like one Wendy's Baconator and one order of fries and like, I don't know, Halo Top ice cream or something like that, you might actually, depending on your rate of progression, you might be able to get two of those meals a week, right? And you might yep. need two refeed meals and, or two free meals instead of doing a one all out glorified binge and then having to can, you know, food getting pulled down for the rest of the week or cardio being increased because of how much of a roadblock this has created, right? So it's like, you might actually reward yourself if you are just reasonable, you might, because I have people who on my team who get two or three free meals a week because yep, they need it because they also are like, I'm just gonna do a burger and fries. Okay, well, cool. We might need to do this in three days. Let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's it's always the ones that are abusing stuff and then and then they realize they overdid it. So it creeps into, you know, the next week. And it takes them multiple days to get back to homeostasis because they ate so much food. So you don't need to engorge yourself or binge eat just because the free meal comes along. Yeah. It's okay to, you know, eat something modest and just enjoy it. Like three rolls of sushi, um, a filet and a potato and a salad, um, you know, 
Chick-fil-A, grill, uh, not a grill, but you can, you can get a fried chicken sandwich and, you know, medium fry. It doesn't have to be the biggest meal you can possibly order. And if you order too much food, you can stop eating it. If you find yourself full, do not sit there and be like, oh, I need to eat the second chicken sandwich I ordered. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that too, man. I've been part of the clean plate club since 97. And there are times where it's like, I just have to be like last night, dude, I got done with my food. And like we had gotten a salad also to split just in case it wasn't enough food. I took like three bites and I was like, I'm not. Like, no part of me feels compelled to finish this. And I was proud of myself for being able to walk away from that because there's a previous binge order, binge eating disorder Chris out there who would have tried to finish all of it without question. You know what I mean? Like, but again, it goes back to the glorification of what a free meal is. Like, yes, you get to eat something off plan. That's awesome. But understanding the purpose of it, I think, helps. It's just food at the end of the day. Yeah. And in most cases, like I, like you, you and myself both, I implement these meals more for the social setting. Obviously, there's a portion of metabolic adaptation that comes with it, but it's mostly just to get you out of the house and around people. So like you don't have to like, like I get people sometimes who are like, yeah, dude, I'm like been planning my free meal all week. And I'm like, dude, you can't make it a, a mountain out of this molehill. Right. It's a meal. Yeah, I, I love my I had a girl one time that would like her family would cook her like pies and like all sorts of shit to prepare for her Saturday free meal. And I'm like, it shouldn't be like this. Like you don't need to make every weekend a celebration because you get to eat off plan. And she would like pregame with donuts and then, you know, eat apple pies and then eat like fried chicken. And, you know, turn in from like a meal to like an all night. event. Yeah, it's was like disorder. And then every time she checked in afterwards, she would wonder why she wasn't seeing progress. And it was like, you know, we need to do this in a healthier manner. Like you shouldn't feel like every single week you need to have like a buffet yeah. to uh, feel replenished. It's more to, you know, give you a break and replenish your body, not sit here and, you know, have everything you won't be able to have during the week all in one sitting because you can't you know have it during the weekday and you're just like all right well saturday i'm gonna have 12 glazed donuts a whole pizza an apple pie you know the fried chicken my grandma cooks and it's like no it, it doesn't need to turn into that and again it goes back to it. if they if you wouldn't go on these uh, binges you probably would get more food throughout the week but also more food that you enjoy you know where you yep. have to reduce food so much in order to create another deficit from the surplus you just created that's so substantial. So it comes down to like, you shouldn't be preparing your free meal the second you get done with your last free meal. Like if I get a free meal on Saturday, I'm not thinking what I'm going to eat next Saturday. The day of I'm like, ah, this sounds good. Let's go do this. Right. I don't, I don't usually decide what I'm going to eat for a free meal until the day of, of like, or maybe like sometimes two hours before, unless we have like dinner reservations planned. And also, but, if you get your hopes up, a lot of times you end up being disappointed, right? When you yeah. glorify this meal, it's like, it's food. And I understand like if someone has disordered eating patterns and I'm working through them, like the second I stopped glorifying these things, I felt as if I had more control over these situations and also myself. So yeah, exactly. Number one. Number one, which I, I I do think this is the most important one because it's so simple, but I see so many like screw this up where I'm just like, how th this is so important and it's organization and lack of preparation. Mm -hmm. This means, you know, 
making sure you have all your meals with you whenever you leave the house, uh, making sure that you are sleeping on a, a, a set schedule. You're not going to sleep on one day at 10 p.m. and the next time at 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. You're not uh, doing your cardio random times of the day, training at random times of the day throughout the week. You are trying to keep a schedule so your body can get used to it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it, this is where it comes down to control every variable that you can. And most variables you are in full control of. Right. So like when I first start working with a client, one of the first things that I do the first two weeks with me is simply I give them their plan on a Saturday Sunday, it's their job to sit down and figure out their the schedule, their schedule and how to implement this plan into their schedule. And then they send it to me. And then it's their job to try to execute it to the best of their capabilities the first week. First check-in we do, we sit down, we talk about how it went, and we sit there and figure out how to re-strategize for the second week. The second week goes how it should, then we just keep running with that. And that's their schedule. That's their routine. Right. That's something that I've like taken upon myself in the last few months of trying to help develop these these routines for people, because a lot of times you give someone a plan and they just like a deer in a headlight. And they're like, how do I do this? And I'm like, you were eating five meals before you came to me. I gave you five meals, but they're just different. Like what's you just fit them in. Right. Where people overcomplicate things. And it's like, OK, we just look at it one thing at a time. OK, you're going to get up at this time. And you're going to like, dude, I do it like there's a there's a cork board in my kitchen that has my daily tasks and the times written beside them, even for myself of when I take my supplements, when I do this, when I do that, when I go on my walk, when my meals are, when my I've figured out a way to compile it into a full day. And I just all I have to do is I look at the list and I check it off and I look and say, OK, now at 3 p.m., I'm going to eat my next meal when we get done with this podcast. Guess what? At 3 p.m., I'm going to eat my next meal and I just keep moving. That's all it is, right? It's, it's yep. creating a flow and just sticking in it and staying in it. And then just yeah. like we talk about planning ahead. Okay, I'm traveling to Kentucky this weekend. What do I need to do ahead of time? How am I going to get my meals there? How, what am I going to do with those? I've already got it figured out. Simple. I'm prepared. Yep, that's the thing. You know, uh, make make a day for your meal prep day. That could be every Sunday that you prep your meals. Every Sunday and Wednesday, you make sure that you make food and package it up and it's ready. Um, you know, making sure you take your meals with you in the morning to wherever you're going. If you leave the house and you know you're going to be gone for four hours, pack an extra meal with you in a bag and put some ice packs in it. Yep. You know, it, it's not hard to do this stuff. And a lot of people, I think, make excuses on why they couldn't do something when it was easily preventable oh yeah uh, and it, it's just stuff like you know preparing ahead of time and with cardio it's like make sure you wake up at the same time every day there's no reason for you to be like sleeping in till 10 on one day and waking up at 5 a.m another day to do cardio it's keep keep it the same every day yeah like find find a realistic schedule you know and just try it out and just slowly refine it over time. Like I said, like granted, like things happen, slip ups occur, but when it's a consistent habitual problem every week of, dude, I just can't get to sleep on time. Okay, why well, can't get you, you get to sleep because you're watching Netflix until midnight or like what's the deal, right? And that's where it's like, okay, sometimes we have to put, we have to turn off the, you know, turn off the TV on time and say, okay, at this time, I'm going to turn off my TV and I'm going to put my phone on night mode and I'm gonna go lay down ahead of time so I can fall asleep on time. 
Yeah, that stuff as a coach, I can't help you with. I can't make you wake up in the morning and make sure that you're going to do your cardio. I can't, I can't make sure that you make it to work on time and, you know, have time in your day to go train after work or bring your meals with you. I can't make you grab your lunchbox before you walk out the door I can't, so that I'm you have your meals daddy. for the day. I think that I'm not your daddy. I'm not, I can't do any of that for you. I'm not going to chew your meals for you either. Like, I can teach you a structured plan. But it is ultimately your job as the athlete, as the client, to execute it and be as disciplined as humanly possible if you want it as bad as you've told me that you do and you've told yourself that you do. If you don't want it that bad, that's fine. But just be aware of that as well. And don't put that on me. If, you, if you're a person that tells me you forgot your meals at home, I'm going to assume you did it on purpose. Yeah. It's like that should be your most important thing of the day. Like your food is your results. Yeah. Your diet is how you actually make changes. So if you tell me something like, man, I forgot meal three at home. What should I go get to eat? I'm going to tell you the worst possible thing you want to hear. I'm going to tell you to go to the Kroger and I'm going to tell you to go get some ready-made chicken or some tuna packets. Yep. And I'm going to tell you to buy a bag of microwavable rice and i'm going to tell you each exactly what your meal is yep. and you're going to just think it's worse yep dude listen like sundays are my day where i try not to work and sundays are the day that i usually go out and run errands and do everything else and you know what i do i either time my errands around my meals or i bring my meals with me and i just eat them in a parking lot somewhere because i don't care because just because it's sunday and it's my errand day and i'm at home doesn't mean that i'm gonna throw out the entire meal plan and just say to hell with it today, right? Yeah. Like, again, it just goes back to how bad do you want it? And then you reverse engineer, you say, okay, this is my goal and this is the steps to get there. And then all you have to do, it's the craziest thing, guys, is just follow the fucking steps. Yep, that's the thing. We, we wanted to, to discuss some things that are pretty simplistic, but it's where I've seen a lot of people fail over the years. And I... 10 times out of 10, I can pinpoint the issue being likely one of these five things. So if you're making sure to make an effort to fix all of these, and if this applies to you, watch the results from just making these changes. Simple changes. Just a little bit of self-awareness, a little bit of observation, a little bit of intent. That's all these are, right? You just make aware of certain things and you try to fix them. That's all you got to do. And again, none of neither of us demand perfection. Perfection is an intangible concept, but we do both demand a certain level of dedication and a certain level of effort to stay on our teams. Yep. It's all it takes, people. You just got to try. Yes. Tyler, you got any tidbits today? Yes. The best apple is Honeycrisp. I will agree. I'll put Fuji in a close second. Is it Fuji or Fiji? I can't remember. I believe it's Fuji. I think you're right. Yeah. The, I would put that second and then third. Pink Lady. They're pretty good. I would, I would probably go with Granny Smith there because it's green. But Granny Smith is only good in salads. Apple pies. I thought Granny Smiths are good in salads too. Not too, but like they're not a good eaten apple. They're good. Okay, but still, honey, honey crisp is still the dominant apple. If you've not had a honey crisp apple, you don't know apples yet. You haven't, you haven't tried an apple yet, you nerd. Yeah. You're not an apple connoisseur like myself lame well guys until next time thank you for listening to the modcast go try an apple yes honey crisp